to episode 14 of the Night Talks podcast. I've got with me today Katie. Hello, Katie. How are you? Hey, good. Thanks. How are you? Good. What's going on? <laughs> oh, not much today. Just came in to <laughs> hang out yeah. with you. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'll ask you what I ask everyone, but are you watching anything on Netflix? I am, and you have yeah. a little um, a little uh, scoop for your podcast. Um, oh, yeah? <laughs> so I'm actually 12 weeks pregnant, so they've yeah. all been... <laughs> Pregnancy-related yep. um, stuff at the well, moment. Well, congratulations. <laughs> That's you. awesome. Cause you messaged me the other day and you were like, oh, so when when's this? When are you thinking of like releasing yeah. this? And so I'm assuming by the time this comes out, you would have told yeah, like, your family hit, and yeah. whatnot, but yeah. you haven't told them as we're currently talking right now? I've told most people, but yep. we've got a few people. Um, so we've got some friends in Germany um, that we're catching up with like via Skype. Yep. Um, in a few days and then my grandparents and some aunts and uncles but yeah so a couple of people yeah. left to tell but I thought oh if this comes out before I tell yeah. them and they find out through a podcast how, how, <laughs> have, you, have you got it planned out how you're going to tell your grandparents because I know when my sister was pregnant with her first she I remember she came home and she had a, like a stuffed bunny or something yeah. in a box and gave that to mum and dad and mum and dad mum didn't know what was going on, but dad knew straight away. So is like, yeah. have you got something like that uh, or are you just going to tell them straight out? I think what we've been doing mostly, um, cause we've told Toby, so my partner yep. and the dad, we've told his grandma and we just did the classic, like, okay, everyone get in for a photo, but it's secretly a video and yep. then be like, okay, three, two, one, Katie's pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, awesome. So that's be really cute. So yep. we'll probably end up doing that, but we did do a few gifts for, my parents, so it's my parents' first grandchild, so they're yep. stoked. And so, yeah, we did the... Um, Is like it Toby's up. family's first one as well? Or? Um, no, they've. I think... So, Toby's sister has four kids. Yeah, all right. Um, and then there's a whole lot of cousins as well. Um, but, yeah, it's, on my side, it's the first grandchild. Still very exciting, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, so, yeah, we did, we did gifts for my family. But, yeah, that's pretty much what I've been So, like, doing. What, what sort of... <laughs> Like, what sort of shows are... Are they just, like, docos or yeah, are they... Yeah, so there's a show that... It's on, um, uh, I think, 10 Play, but um, called One Born Every Minute. Yeah. So it's just... Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've been watching the Sydney one of that. Because, uh, yeah, it's, I've uh, recently found out that Toby was... His head circumference was in the top 2%. Oh, wow. And I've made an error. <laughs> so, uh, just uh, rethinking yeah, it off. <laughs> really, I've really gone yeah. too far down the rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that's really been dictating my consumption of um, you know TV yeah. and books and yeah. audio. So you're reading like um, I don't yeah. know, pregnancy books and yeah. whatnot at the All moment of that too. Sort of stuff. Yeah. And then, Do you find that stuff really interesting? Um, kind of. When it was the secret, it was like the only place that I felt like I could get information. Yeah. Because we yeah. didn't tell people until a few. We only started telling people a few days ago, really. Um, but. Um, yeah, I felt like I could get could get information from there, but now I've told some a few friends and they're yeah. also pregnant, so I'm getting lots of information from there. So, do you, so you, when when's your due date? Is that um, that'd be like July? June. Yeah, June. middle of June. Yeah. yeah. So it's actually one day after Toby's birthday. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> I'm off the hook for birthday yep. presents. Are you going to find out? Are you going to find out the gender? Uh, yeah, I know the gender oh, already. Okay. Yeah, All so right. we found out, but um, we're keeping. You're going to keep that a secret. Yeah. So the two of you know, but you're yeah. not going to tell anyone else. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yep. So. Cool. It is exciting. Very, very, very yeah. exciting. Um, so we actually met, um, we went to school together. We so did, you were yeah. the year above me. Yeah. Um, but are there any, <laughs> do you have any like first impressions or anything like that from I, I from was school? thinking about this. I don't really remember. I think we probably had more to do with each other in the soccer club. Yeah. We both played yeah. um, soccer together. Um, and yeah, I think just in general, we've... Because my parents, are qu- or my mum, is quite close with your mum. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So oh, okay. They I didn't know that. They taught together at, uh, I can't remember, but I think it was one yeah. of the first schools. Yeah. So, um, and I think your dad as well, because he was obviously yeah. also in yeah. education. Um, but I've sort of like always been on the periphery of yeah. knowing you via your family. Yeah. And then oh, okay. when we met at the soccer well I think that was I think what I remember is yeah. we just got to know each other a bit better at the soccer club yeah because like the way I like I even wrote it in the notes are like our paths have always yeah. like just crossed yeah. like we went to school together um, and you were friends with like Dave Sands and yes. Aaron and I was really good mates with Aaron's younger brother yeah. so like we always knew of each other yeah. and then 
you started playing soccer yeah. and then I think you worked at the pub for a yeah, little I did bit for as well. A little bit and then before I went overseas. So and then, we worked there very, for a bit and then And then most recently, um, you were on Kids Co as well, yeah. which I started, so we started in the last working holidays. Together. Yeah, we started was, yeah. at the same time. Yep. But we didn't know because we no. I, I got on that Zoom like yep. I remember that. and I was like, <laughs> yeah. Oh hi <laughs> Yeah, I was like, Oh, I know because um Laura yeah. Laura uh, Nardino or Laura yeah. Shea now yeah. worded me up about that. Same. And I was like, oh, I've got a friend who, who'd be interested too. Can yeah. we do it together? And so when I logged on to that, um, what was it like an induction sort yeah. of thing? I knew her, but then I knew your name as well. And yeah. I think there was another one I knew of too. So yeah. um, I think Jess, who I think she might teach in Trailgun somewhere as well. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty small world. Yeah, so. small world. Yeah, um, I mean, we've just always had paths that have crossed yeah, as well. Yeah. So. Are you going to do Kids Co in the coming yeah, holidays as actually, well? Um, yeah, actually. I think... Uh, I think I've put down for two weeks because my dog is going to get de-sexed. So okay. I have to be at home anyway. You have anyway. to be at home anyway, yeah. And I was like, well, I can yep. just... Why like, not? Yeah, I can't leave him for a fortnight. So yep. it makes sense that I can earn some money. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Are you going to do it? Yeah, I've, I think I've booked in for the um, the first week. I think they're starting yeah. back up on yeah, around too, the 10th, I think it is. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Um, yeah. How did you find the experience? Yeah, it was really good because, I mean, we'll get into it later, but yeah. I started in primary and then have moved to secondary yeah. where I'm now teaching. And it was really nice to still have like a little, like in, like yeah. the finger in the pie of the primary school. Yeah. Like it was yeah. just, yeah, like it was really lovely. They're so little and yeah. They're, yeah, they're just a lot of fun and you can be really creative with them and you don't get that as much in yeah. secondary because it's like not cool. So, so I guess for those listening who aren't really sure what Kids Co is, it's it's essentially a holiday program. Yeah. Um, but with um, how I th- my understanding of it is, it's structured for corporate businesses in Melbourne. So then their employees can have or send their kids to this program. So then the employees don't have to take leave yeah. in the holidays. So yeah. Um, yeah, the so kids are yeah. The they kids set are up in like well. a meeting room or something. Yeah, then, usually, but with yeah. the pandemic and yeah. lockdown and everything. They've shifted to just Zoom classes, yeah. which that yeah, was my first um, yeah. introduction to it, and it was really cool. Um, yeah. I, I was working with the the eight nines and above, I think it was, mm. and you were with the I was five six yeah, year olds. Is that right? Five to sevens. Yeah, yeah, and then a couple of like um, I think I did an eight to twelves yeah. as well. But um, yeah, it was really fun. It was, and, and I found I've brought a few of those sort of craft activities yeah. back into my classroom which has been really good too it's sort of given me a new um lease on how to be more creative with sort of yeah activities definitely. and whatnot so i found it really useful because obviously that was my six i live in melbourne so that was my sixth lockdown oh, and yeah. then just <laughs> the, the thought of just sitting at home for two weeks on yeah. school holidays like yeah of course like it's great to have school holidays but there's nothing to you do. You couldn't do anything. I've watched all yeah. of Netflix. Yeah. Like I've done, you know, everything. my house has never been tidier. <laughs> There's like nothing else to do. And this the thought of doing nothing for another yeah. two weeks sounded horrible. So it was a really lovely yeah. escape from that. Um, and yeah, it was great, as I said, like to practice. Because don't, you don't co-teach in um, secondary as much as you yeah. do in yeah. primary as well. So it was also really great to co-teach. And, and like figure out how to bounce off each other yeah, and everything too. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And it was really lovely as well with um, the little kids like being eager to be on camera yeah. and the mic. Yeah. Whereas secondary, they just loved sharing. Yeah, didn't they? yeah, they yeah. love share time. Yeah. Secondary, it's like I just spoke to myself for twelve weeks. Like <laughs> <laughs> it was like black screen yeah. and be like, okay, cool, thanks. <laughs> so I, I remember I was a little surprised to see you um, on going back to that induction session with yeah. kids. Go, I was a little surprised to see you on the screen because I didn't realise you were. Um, doing teaching so and just speaking before you didn't start doing teaching so how how did you get into yeah um, doing becoming a teacher I guess I never wanted to be a teacher because my mum is a teacher and I think that just really is like I don't want to follow not that she's like it's always been great she's always been home but I was just always not mum's a teacher so I couldn't possibly be one and dad is actually a qualified teacher as well yeah but he um, mostly has worked in the TAFE sector yeah um or like adult education or tertiary education. Um, and uh, yeah, so I was like, I don't want to do that. So I went to uni and studied uh, criminology. I did my honours in criminology policy as well. Yeah. 
And then, yeah, went overseas for a year, lived in Germany um, as like a gap year, yep. delayed gap year. Were you studying <laughs> while you were living in Germany? No, no. well, sort of. I did a, um, I did like a three-month intensive German grammar course. Oh, wow. And then yeah. after that, I was fluent. And yep. um, so I was working um, in a refugee house for a while. I thought it was at the time when the Syrian refugee crisis yeah. um, was really impacting Europe. Not that it still isn't, but that was when it was like... At like its yeah, peak. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I was translating for a bit. And what was that like? Like being there at that time, that would have been pretty yeah. confronting, wouldn't it? Um, it, was, it was kind of weird because I was living on the um, Austrian-German border. So I was in Germany, yeah. but right on the border. And I was also I was living in a refugee house... And then um, also uh, working in like a pub and the, <laughs> the border police would stay in this pub. Yeah. And so I'd go to the pub and there'd be all the border police that would come in and they'd be, they'd just be there and they'd be talking about their, their day, yep. you know, managing the border. And then I'd go home and then the guys would be talking about like their experience of traveling and getting from... Yeah like Kurdistan or Syria, Afghanistan to Europe. And it was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, I was right in the middle of it too. And then obviously in Australia, like we don't take in a lot of refugees so that there's not as much exposure to refugees as like there is here. Uh, Sorry, there is in Europe. So yeah. I'm a little, I'm a little sheltered to that sort of whole life, but they go to Christmas Island before coming into Australia, yeah, essentially, don't they? Well, it depends. So if they try and, um, like, that was their border policy, um, but if they try and come by boat, then they'll be processed in offshore detention, yeah. depending on where they're coming from, what country they're coming from, or what um, asylum seeker status, then they will go to a different offshore processing place. Some come straight through, yeah. like, as in um, our housed in Australia, but majority are not yeah. at this stage. It's all very political. Yeah, for sure. It, <laughs> and yeah. to be honest, it does change quite frequently. So that could be outdated information that I just yeah. gave because I, even I find it, I'm really interested in it, but I find it really hard to keep on top of. Because yeah, it's just constantly with, yeah, changing with, with policies. And, and yeah. obviously like with COVID and the borders closing, that's impacted yeah. who's coming into the country regardless of any other factor. Yeah. So yeah, it'll, it's, yeah. So we obviously don't have as many... We don't have an open door policy like yeah. Europe did at the time or Germany did at the time. So we didn't, my exposure to reasons why people would seek asylum really came from yeah. that experience. So that would have been pretty common the whole time you were there for those 12 months. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, got, I was, I mean, I still, like I traveled and um, went around Europe, but that was like a common yeah. factor wherever I went. Yep. Um, both the, the left-wing side saying, you know, welcome, our doors are open, and the right-wing side saying really awful things. Yeah. So it really did taint. Well, not taint, that's not the right word, but it did have like an overarching shadow on the whole experience. experience because yeah. obviously, obviously, like, went and volunteered in a refugee house, so I was very pro-welcoming people yeah. who need to seek asylum, but you'd walk everywhere and they'd be like, you know, really racist graffiti, yeah. so... It's always just this constant reminder that there's really awful people in the yeah, world. <laughs> yeah, so. and how, how lucky and how fortunate yeah. we are in Australia. Yeah. yeah, and that was the other thing because I always knew that I was coming back and I just, if I just wanted to go, I could. Like yeah. if I wanted to leave, if I no longer liked living in Germany or Europe, I could just go. And yeah. I had, had the way... Australia yeah, I had home to come back to. Yeah, and it was a safe and welcoming place and I could be exactly who I want to be as a female I didn't I don't have to prescribe to a certain religion I don't have to prescribe to a certain sexuality or gender identity um so yeah yeah, it was always just like I can be exactly who I want to be yeah and there will be no political or like criminal repercussions but then being in the midst of that in Germany and Austria as well and seeing people without those sort of freedoms and those rights that would have been really confronting so absolutely so you were over there and then you came back yeah and then I went into the foster care and residential care sector so I was working with teens who can't live at home yep and I did that for I think it was about two and a half nearly three years How, how did you get into that was that did that sort of stem from your study of 
criminology and everything? Yeah, a bit of both. So um, having been in Germany, I knew that I wanted to work with uh, people who didn't have a safe yeah, home. Like, like so a disadvantaged. Yeah. Sort of, yeah so I was tough. sort of open to something maybe in like the homeless sector. There wasn't at the time. There wasn't a lot of work in the refugee and asylum seeker sector. Um, but I, because I had done an honours thesis on um, children's rights in police custody. Wow. Yeah. So I sort of had a bit of an interest in in that in that yeah. as well. And I used to volunteer for a program that I would go if a juvenile, so someone under eighteen, was. Um, being interviewed by police and they couldn't have a parent or guardian present with them they'd get independent people and yeah. I was an and that that's what you wanted to do yeah, yeah. so I'd go um, and be an independent person and just make sure that their rights in police custody were yeah. upheld so that you know make sure they understood their rights and you know and that what they happened. weren't just being taken advantage of in, yeah. in those situations yeah make sure that they've offered food and or that they can ask for food and yep. drinks and things and they can take breaks and they can get um uh, like political, uh, not political. They can get uh, legal representation yeah. if they need. So just make sure they understand their rights, yeah. essentially. Um, so yeah, so through that, so I had those sort of experiences, and then knew that I wanted to work with kids. And then um, a position came up in um, residential care, so working with teenagers. So I was in a house with four young people. They yeah. were aged twelve to sixteen or seventeen, yeah. sorry, um, and. Yeah, they had really significant trauma, so yep. weren't suitable for the foster care sector. Yeah, so how, how do kids get into, or how do the kids get into the resi care system? Yeah, so essentially home life isn't great for them. There's some form of um, police involvement yep. saying that they can't... Like a DHS. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah, so DHS and typically police are involved saying that the caregivers are, are not capable of providing care. They'll always look for a suitable alternative. So a foster. Well, a they'll foster look for yeah. First like of all, they look at um, aunts, uncles, family, friends, teachers are always really high up on yep. the, the, yeah. the ask list. Yep. <laughs> um, so yeah, they'll they'll always try and find a suitable known connection. If there's no suitable connection, then they'll go into the foster care system. And then, unfortunately, there are some kids who just aren't suitable for foster care because they have quite extreme behaviours yep. and quite. That, that stems from trauma really, backgrounds yeah, and that those sort of things. That stems from a really yeah. high trauma background. Um, and unfortunately, there's just not enough foster carers as well compared yep. to the number of kids who need care. Um, and so then they end up in residential care, which is essentially, depends on the house, but yep. usually two to four kids with a rotation of staff. Of staff, yeah. Um, and the staff stay there with them during their working yeah. hours or whatever yeah they? so yeah. there'll always be well it depends on the house well there is always someone who stays overnight yeah uh, depends on the level of care needed by the kids and um but yeah there'll always be someone there overnight and they try and mimic as much as possible a home environment yeah. so yeah. um the staff are there to provide like a routine and they're there to encourage the kids to cook and clean and yeah. get those life skills and then go go to school as well? Because um, I know when that, I was working yeah. at, at a school in Morwell, a few kids were in resi care. Yeah. And they would come in and they weren't great attendants, but yes. they were there in and yeah. out. Um, for the most part, they do go to alternative schools. Yep. Not, that's not the rule of thumb, but as a general rule, like as a uh, majority, they yep. would be going to alternative schools or be completely disengaged. So if they are completely disengaged, then they'll be involved in some reintegration program um so yeah but we do things that have rules around if you don't go to school like the you don't get to have the tv and the xbox during school hours which but it didn't really make that much of a difference (laughs) like they're just at that stage where they they can't and they're at a real vulnerable sort of point in their life as well so yeah you would have seen a lot of like heartbreaking sort of situations with the the kids through that as well. Yeah, I was actually, when I came right back from Germany, I went and worked just in hospitality at Crown and I was working at a like six and a half star rated bar and I was also working at this resi care facility. Yeah. And I decided to quit working at Crown because it was like battle of two worlds. Yeah. But in the morning, we welcomed a little 12-year-old boy who was the size like physically and mentally of a 
six to seven year old because he'd been starved for so long. Oh, wow. So he was so malnutrition, was just full of malnutrition. Um, and then we brought him into the home and he was going to live with us. And then in the evening, I went and worked at Crown and someone was complaining because their $1,500 bottle of champagne (laughs) wasn't the right thing. And I was just like, you just just need to check your privilege. (laughs) And we'll put it into fantastic perspective for you as well to say sort of the two extremes of the world. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it was like polar opposite. So I was like, I can't handle working at like (laughs) lavish six and a half Because their caviar's not served probably. I know. And we had like, you know, like, oh, it was just ridiculous. Um, So yeah, I stopped doing that. So through working in the ResiCare, you would have then, was there there a point where you thought, yeah, I can help these sort of kids through teaching or like how, how was that connection made then? Yeah, so then I sort of transitioned over to the foster care sector and um, I was accrediting, well, I was assessing and accrediting potential foster carers and through that I was sort of doing a little bit of case management, not a lot, but I was managing some cases when other staff were away yep. and realised that the system is... Like I'm probably not the first person to say it, but the system's quite broken because yeah. there's, the staff are trying to do so much and just felt like you could never do anything well because you were trying to do so many things. Yeah, because um, you had your fingers in so many different yeah. pies. You can't fully commit to one no, without yeah. seeing the other one break down or yeah. not fully commit to the other. Yeah. yeah, so you're trying to manage their their legal, you know, like their rights in, in terms of, what you know how often they're seeing their family you're trying to manage their family relationships you're trying to manage their education their health their mental health their own identity so like gender or sexuality or spiritual identity and it just was so much that you're just trying to handle and that's just for one kid and you have a caseload of uh eight to twenty depending on the, the the families so i just felt like i wasn't really achieving anything and so i thought I want to choose one sector and dedicate myself to, to that one yeah. thing. And then I can, I can know that the people who like the children who are in out of home care, I will be the best that I can be in one area yep. for them. And that will be the thing that I can contribute. Yeah. And then hopefully they've got another person in another sector yep. who can do their best effort there. Sort of like a double edged sword there, isn't yeah. it? Like, Cause you're sort of admitting that, you can't do everything, yeah. but then you're putting all your eggs in the one basket to help those yeah. kids that do come to you in that setting then. Yeah. 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 And so obviously I went to teaching, so I chose education because I truly believe that education is one of the most important things yeah. that anybody can be exposed to, let alone um, somebody who And everyone have... deserves the yeah. deserves the opportunity totally. yeah. for the education as yeah. well. Yeah, and education that's catered to their own needs at yeah. that time. So, um, yeah, I went to education and decided to become a teacher. Yeah. And, yeah, so then I did a Master's of Teaching at Monash, yeah. which was a whirlwind experience because yeah. I was... Uh, the first pandemic graduate. So, oh yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's a really that's such an incredible journey. Like, and to go essentially full circle as well. Yeah. Like with your parents being teachers, and then similar to me, like never yeah. wanting to do it, but just through other avenues, just yeah. almost falling into it, and then yeah. yeah. I think I needed a little bit of not that I was immature, but I needed a bit of maturity to realize yeah. that. I just, you know, just because mum does it doesn't mean that I can't yeah. do it. And seeing, being exposed to like that stuff over in Europe and then through ResiCare just, and like you said, your belief of education being yeah. a pivotal sort of foundation totally. for yeah. everyone sort of then naturally seems obvious that education was where you'd end up. Yeah. 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 So then, yeah, I went into education and... So that was a I master's, been. master's yeah. and that's... Yeah. Was that two years or one year? Um, Monash had, it's two years, but Monash had an accelerated program. So yep. you could do it in 18 months, which I did. Because um, once I've made a decision, I need to, like, it just has to be done. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and obviously at uni, you get something like five months off. Um, yeah. That's a waste of time. I could just yeah. be doing, I could just be studying. Um, so yeah, I did that. Um, and that was really cool because uh, over the summer I got to do an international placement. So I went to China. Oh, cool. So, yeah. yeah, that was really interesting. Yep. When, so when were you in China? You were in China for... I was in... I was in During the pandemic, is that right? Uh, well, when it started. Yep. So um, I was there 
uh, mid-November to mid-December 2019. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, pretty sure I had COVID actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll keep that on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, got very, very sick with all the symptoms yeah. and it wasn't it wasn't um wasn't public. a thing was it though yeah, yeah so like when they backdated it it does align like because i traveled on a train that went through the top of the hubei province oh, wow. around like the 20th i can't remember the date but it was around the 20th of november and then got very sick with so what, all of the covid symptoms so what, I, yeah. what were you thinking like were you just thinking oh this is a really extreme flu or well so i have asthma and then the we were in beijing and the air purity is really really low yeah so i just thought it was my asthma flaring up yeah with really all the, badly yeah, with, with all, all the pollution the air, yeah. and the poor air quality and yeah. everything but I was also, you know, I had the fever. I had, um, I'd completely lost my voice. Yeah. I was... Taste cough. and smell and those yeah. senses as well. Yeah, yeah, all of that. And then what could it, like in hindsight now makes sense, but I was with other people who all got very sick with yeah. very similar symptoms as well. That and would have been terrifying. Like being in another was, country and yeah, not even was, knowing or not having access to healthcare as well. Yeah, and we, I was at a boarding school and... Um, they had a nurse, but they kept giving us like traditional Chinese medicine. And I just knew, <laughs> yeah. well, at the time I probably didn't in hindsight, but I just thought I had a really bad lung infection. Yeah. And I was like, somebody give me like, um, uh, antibiotics, antibiotics. Or yeah. 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 And I've got a, um, a friend or a few friends who are doctors. So I yeah. was like, what, you know, this is the situation I'm in. What do I need to do? And they were like, you need to go get antibiotics. Yeah. And we went to like pharmacies, but they wouldn't give it to us. And, they ended up giving us like we couldn't even get things like um, uh, like Panadol and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, couldn't get or? Panadol. Couldn't yeah. get um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like cold and flu tablets. Yeah. I couldn't get any of those, and <laughs> they ended up giving us so they like the but they had they gave you herbal tea and that, China, yeah, whole Chinese li- medicine. <laughs> yeah, for the Harry Potter nerds out there, yeah. they literally gave me a bazaar, which is the stomach the the. Um, stone from a goat's stomach <laughs> like in it was in a tablet form yeah. but I was looking at the ingredients and I was like you've given me the stone from a goat's stomach and I can't breathe yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah they gave me um, stuff that is used to treat Parkinson's disease yeah. That's I was like crazy. I don't have Parkinson's yeah. disease <laughs> like, so yeah so I just get this stuff from various pharmacies and then go talk to my doctor friends and be like hey these are the drugs in this tablet that they've yeah. given me and they'd just be like So the Parkinson's one is this old theory that if you had a flu or a cold, that if you stop the muscles from contracting, it won't move through the body. So it will like be lesser, but that's not how colds (laughs) and flus work. (laughs) So yeah, it was really hard because I was so, so sick and I was on placement. So you're there, you're trying to make a really good impression. You're trying to get the most out of it. Yeah. And and I had to take my first day off placement off i went in the morning and i was just fully fevering and i was so so sick i'd lost my voice and i did the first period and i was like i've got to go like i can't can't yeah which is not how you want to be on placement at all all. especially because they've flown us out there as well so like you know they really want us to be there and make a good impression and yeah yeah. and i was just like i can't handle this so how long did those sort of symptoms go on for was it like the 14 like two weeks um it was i was quite sick for about a week, but I managed to, because I was on placement and I was also in China um, and I wanted to like see the Great Wall and stuff, yeah. I was really pushing through it after a, f- yeah. a few days. But if I was at home, I would not have been pushing yeah. through it. But it was really one of those things where it's like, I've just got to suck it up and go. Yeah. But now in hindsight, I my classes got really sick. And so now <laughs> I feel really guilty that I was like, I'll just push through it. Yeah. But I didn't know. So I, yeah, and <laughs> no Jeez. one did at that time. Jeez. And I so, guess like yeah. you never truly know if you actually had COVID. Like no. obviously from yeah. what you're saying, all the signs point to it. Yeah. But like, because it was su- still such a secret and yeah. it was being kept um, from the public, you yeah. <laughs> never truly know, will you? No. So I came back and um, when COVID came out, or came to Australia, I should say, um, I spoke to my doctor and I was about six months later and I was like, this is my experience in November. And she was like, you probably, that like, you most likely had COVID. I would say you have COVID until proven otherwise, but we can't prove it yeah. because at that stage there wasn't an antibody test that was six months back yeah. because if I did have it, I would have been one of the first yeah. cases. Um, and 
That's bragging rights, yeah. surely. surely like, yeah. yeah, I would have been the first, like... Yeah, yeah. also one of the first survivors as well yeah. and everything. Then. Yeah, but, um, yeah, so we can't prove it, but my even my doctor is like, you had COVID. Yeah. I just can't officially say that, that you had That makes a good story to yeah. tell, obviously, now, though. Yeah. So when when did you come back? Like, how long was that placement? Was that placement um, so just placement two was, weeks? Or? I think it was three, it was three weeks. I was there yep. for a month. We did some travel um, beforehand, which was lovely. Uh, came back just before Christmas... Then we went into the bushfires. Yeah. Then we went into um, COVID. And then I, um, at that stage, I actually had lost work because of COVID. Oh, really? So, and I only had, oh, I think it was only three months worth of yep. my degree left. So I was like, I'll just knuckle down, do my degree. Yeah. There's no point looking for a job because I can only commit to a handful of months. Yeah. Any, like by the time I get the job, we'll be like two, it'll be like eight yeah, weeks. Yeah, there's no point know, starting like, a, a new yeah. job. Yeah. So I just knuckled down and finished my degree. But yeah, my last placement in March was affected because COVID, it was at the end of term one and then term one was brought forward. Um, And then, yeah, we were all, it was really, um, it's actually quite stressful because VIT, like we we didn't have enough placement days because our um, placements were cancelled and then... They like, weren't letting placements go ahead. No, were they weren't letting at the like, placements weren't going ahead. But then we were also graduating mid year, and then term two got officially confirmed to not be going ahead. And I think at that stage, it was the whole of term two was yep. going to be remote. Um, no schools were taking anybody. Yeah. So that, that would have been the yeah. um, directive from the department yeah. to not. And so I was, because my mum's a teacher, I was like, who do you know that can take me? Like, I'll do whatever. Yeah. I just need to get, I think I had like six days or something. I was like, I just need to do so six close. days. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I just need six days. I will, I will like photocopy. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll just clean. I don't care. Yeah. I just get me into a school. You just school. need to be there for six days. Yeah. And get signed off. Couldn't get anything. And then eventually at the last minute, VIT confirmed that they were going to reduce the number of placement days yep. for graduates in that I think they continued it but for yep. us they reduced it so then I ended up having like 16 more than I needed or something <laughs> I don't know so first you're not having <laughs> yeah. enough now you've got too many <laughs> too many yeah so finished mid-year yeah finished degree mid-year had were you looking for jobs mid-year then like how, yeah, how'd you so go I, looking for jobs because I had lost my job or lost work but, um, because of COVID I knew that I needed to get a job for term three. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I was looking for jobs pretty much from the start of term two when they were coming Was out. there many out? Because um, I know yeah, there's there not were. usually many out mid-year, is there? There were more than I anticipated, yeah. to be honest. Um, from, yeah, week one there wasn't really, but from week two of term two, there was a good, for me in Melbourne, there was a good, like, 10 to 20 per yeah. week that fit the wow. criteria of what I was looking for. Yeah. So yeah, there were, and my criteria was because I'm primary, secondary trained, it just had to be within a 30 minute drive of my of, house yeah. and it was a government school. Yeah. Um, and I was looking for low SES schools as well because I felt that's where yeah, my background that's where was. you wanted to make yeah. a difference. Yeah. But yeah, I was able to find something um, to start for the start of term three. Did you um, do interviews in both primary and high school during that time or were you um, only looking for say high school I had three interviews um I actually got the second one but I hadn't heard for my third interview which was secondary so I interviewed for the third one but I by the time they got back to me I'd actually already accepted the second one yeah. um but yeah I had two primary and one secondary yeah so yeah. you essentially had the choice between primary or secondary like yeah. that you had an offer from each. Yeah, and then I decided to... Uh, I chose to go second... Oh, sorry, primary. Yeah. I went primary um, because that was the one that fit. Um, it was also a K-12 school, so I thought... Oh, so you could yeah, eventually move into yeah. the same school but up up a year. And that really appealed to me. I thought I could do a few years in primary and then eventually move into secondary if I want. Without having to relearn the school protocols and processes. And that was a huge plus for that school for me. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I was teaching grade one twos. Yep. Um, And then... Was that like how... Why did... Why was there a vacant spot in there? Was that teacher going on maternity leave or what what was it? that teacher, bearing in mind this is the start of COVID, that teacher 
um, and her partner had decided to go and work at an international school for two oh, years. Oh, no. So they took two years oh, of leave. No, yeah. they actually went. They, oh, they yeah, did? Yeah. I Where, believe that they're still... Do you know? They went to Singapore and I believe that oh, they're still over there. Yeah. Because so, yeah. I heard of so many people that were intending on going last yeah. year away to like England or some people were in England teaching and yeah, yeah so they took 12 months off from their school yeah. went over and then had to come back but yeah. came back to no job have, so yeah no yeah. they they decided to go and it was so I was offered the job quite last minute because the the teacher had said right at the start of the year you know I'm going that the leave had been approved it was all fine yeah and then the school, like COVID started happening and the school was like, oh, she won't go. She yeah. won't go. And then she kept being like, no, we're, we're still going. We're still yeah. going. And the school was like, no, the borders are closed. You won't go. You won't go. And then eventually she's like, you know, I'm leaving. Like I am <laughs> yeah. actually going. Yeah. <laughs> and Tickets they were like, oh, okay, we should hire someone. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that would have been a pretty quick process. They would have had to do that pretty quickly then. Yeah. I from It's a bit hard to remember exactly, but I did get the job at the end of term two, two yeah. and I was able to go into the class and for, yeah. yeah, I think it was about Meet three days. Meet and know where yeah. you set your classroom up and everything. No, I couldn't set the classroom up because they hadn't told the students then, so I just went in as a, like, helper for a few <laughs> days. Um, yeah, because the kids had just come Jeez. back from remote learning, yeah. so they was trying to minimise, like, anxiety, anxiety as much yeah. as possible. Yeah. Um, and yes, yeah, so I met the kid, I think it was about three days or maybe it was four, um, which was in hindsight, incredibly lucky yeah. because the start of term three, 2020 yeah. was remote. Yes, so it was. I yep. didn't meet my students. So I met them for those few days where they didn't know that I was going to be their teacher. It was like an undercover teacher sort yeah. of deal. <laughs> and then I didn't actually see them until I think it was week two of term yeah. four. So I taught how, them How did you find that? Because like I'm big on building those relationships yeah. with kids and that's that would have been really hard to oh, try and build so that through rough. a screen yeah. yeah it was so i mean they were little troopers yeah um and they were super keen to just see each other and get to know me as well but it was really hard because i didn't know anything about them yeah. we were using seesaw so i wasn't really seeing it wasn't camp. explicit teaching it's yeah. sort of just like oh we're gonna do this yeah seesaw task go ahead yeah yeah um, I felt like the biggest fraud when we had to do um, parent-teacher interviews because yeah. the parents <laughs> yeah. like, how's my kid going? And I was like, I to don't know. With you, I don't yeah. know because I haven't been in the classroom yeah. with them. <laughs> Can they read? Like, you yeah. tell me. <laughs> so, <laughs> You're more their teacher yeah. than me at this point. I, yeah, yeah, I felt so – I was just like, I don't even know what the yeah. point of this is. Like, so how, in the end, you would have been there term four, so you yeah. would have had most of term four? Yeah, I think we had about nine weeks yeah. in person because the one-twos were brought back early. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I had nine weeks and that was great. I really loved um, the primary yeah. side. It was really fun. Just it was, the joy they have from, yeah. and the excitement of school. They, yeah. still, they still love it. They yeah. do, yeah. It was really, it was quite enjoyable. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was there for about nine weeks yeah. in term four. So I guess um, because originally you reached out to me because yeah. you wanted to sort of explain and share your not so positive experience within um, the teaching realm yeah. and it must have been really bittersweet because you're saying how much you enjoyed yeah. the classroom aspect of yeah. it and the kids and that but the other side of teaching like wasn't so positive for for you was it so I really enjoyed elements of working with the one twos um, yeah. particularly you know they're so creative um, they that you get a lot of like you see they're learning quite quickly yeah. because everything they're doing everything for the first time yeah so you do get a lot of like instant reward yep. and instant knowledge of whether or not your teaching practice is A lot of light effective. bulb moments from the yeah. kids as well. Yeah. yeah, and it's really easy to reflect on your teaching practice because you know if it's worked or if it hasn't. Yeah, because they yeah, like, don't know it and then yeah. they do know it. And if they don't know, well, then yeah. you re- refine it. Yeah. So that, that I really enjoyed. Um, but for me, I felt like I wasn't utilizing my skill set of having worked with um, teenagers and, and trauma vulnerable students and vulnerable, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was also I'm the, ver- the very first to admit I'm not very experienced with um, ASD yeah. and I was given a classroom with multiple students with quite severe ASD and yep. it's just not my forte 
I don't, I haven't really had exposure to it. Yeah, well, they, it's not something yeah. I was trained in at uni or yep. through my previous experience. At the time, there wasn't PD because it was all, well, it was Remote, all online yeah. and, and I just felt like I was so overwhelmed. And, and you, <laughs> you wouldn't have had those handover notes from yeah. the previous teacher either because yeah. they were off doing whatever they were doing and yeah. Yeah, it was quite overwhelming in that sense because I just really didn't know what I was doing and I was trying, I was trying my hardest, but I always just felt like it wasn't enough. Enough, yeah. And I could see that it was coming at the detriment of the students. Um, of those students um, with autism. And yeah, I just didn't feel like the school met my needs and I was meeting their needs. Um, And so I made a really, like really tough decision to end my contract early and look at another school. And I was incredibly fortunate that when I had decided that, and as I said, when I make a decision, I want it done. So I made the decision that that school wasn't the right fit for me. And I looked online and my placement school, my secondary placement school from 2019, which I absolutely loved, they were hiring. Yeah, cool. And I was like, that is exactly where I want to go. I don't want to be anywhere else. (laughs) And um, so I had that conversation with the primary school um, and said, I'm looking at another job. Um, And this was in, I think it was like the second last week of term four. Um, so they, they were planning to have you for the following year and yeah, I actually set had a up orientation contract. and everything. So yep. my contract would have expired middle of 2022, yep. which now with the pregnancy has turned out great because I would have <laughs> yeah. just ended the contract and then had and then, to go on yeah, unpaid maternity leave. Yeah. Like, yeah. So that, in hindsight, has worked out fabulously. It's a beautiful <laughs> thing, hindsight, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but that was absolutely not what we were yeah. anticipating or planning for. Um but yeah, I had that conversation with the school and I explained that there there definitely was elements of the juniors that I really enjoyed. There wasn't an opportunity for me, me to move to the seniors, yep. um, which is completely understandable because I'd really only done it for like nine weeks. And yeah. they were like, you need to... You, you need, need to, to you learn need to, your craft yeah, and do, yeah. do that first, yeah. Yeah, so even though they did have a senior um, school, it was a K to 12, they had senior opportunities, they... We're like, no, you need to stay in primary, which I completely understood. Um, and then I moved to my, um, well, I interviewed for the secondary school. But that was also quite, um, I'd applied for it and it, it closed like before Christmas, but I heard nothing over the summer yeah. holidays. And it, I was like, oh, yeah, sure. They won't, they'll interview like mid to late January yeah. to start <laughs> January, whatever the first yeah. day of school was. And I just heard nothing. Absolutely when when did you hear about it then? So I went in for the first day of school and like the orientation, not like students, but the, you know, the, yeah, the, the, te- yeah, the, the PD teacher's day. day. Yeah. yeah. I went in and cause like that whole summer I was like, I'm not going back to that school. Like, yeah. even though I didn't know I was going to get that job in my mind, I was just like, I'll get like something will yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, I, I don't know. I just had convinced myself that yeah. I wasn't going back. And then I was there and I was like, Oh my goodness. Like I've got to get my mindset in for, Grade Another one year twos. Of that, yeah. yeah. And just like I was also looking at what I could do to upskill myself um, in terms of working with uh, dis- students with disability. Yeah, like ASD and those other ones. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and then late that afternoon of the first day, I got an email being like, You've got an interview. And the students were coming back on the Friday, and the interview was for the middle of the day on the Monday. It was like 12 or something. And so I would have had to take the whole wow. day off. Yeah. And I was like, I can't take the, f- the second day of yeah. school for these kids off for an interview. <laughs> so I e- luckily I emailed them back and I was like, yeah, like I've got little learners. Can I have the latest possible interview yeah. time on Monday? And they were accommodating and it was fine. So I was able to do the full day. I think what, I had to leave did, like five minutes early. Why were they leaving the process so late? Like so, who was taking that position or did... They yeah. start a week later. They just had a funded position, so it wasn't attached to any teacher. Okay. They just had a funded position that, and they knew that a teacher was leaving in term two. Ironically, it was actually my placement mentor, mentor oh, wow. was going on long service leave from the start of term two, so they weren't really in a rush because yep. even though the position was separate to him going on leave, they didn't have any work for whoever they yeah, hired. Yeah, so they, they knew they just needed someone by the start of term two. Yeah, yeah, but they had the funding to get them in early, but they didn't have any jobs for them to do. Yeah. So, 
yeah, so anyway, obviously I got the job, which was really exciting, but it was also really um, bittersweet because by the then I'd like met my new class and I just had to, I was there for six weeks for the handover yeah. and I just the whole time, we didn't tell them, but I was just not but, and, mentally yeah. attached to them. And you know, like it must be really difficult as well because you know, like it's not fair on them either yeah. having such a big disruption And particularly because them. they were, so I had one twos, but they were the 2020 preps yep. were the the ones and so you so knew that they'd already they'd had already a disrupted had start to yeah. their schooling and everything yeah and so I was feeling really guilty about that but then equally I just knew every day it was really that six weeks was actually very hard and yeah. I if I hadn't have had the job at the secondary school that I moved to I can't guarantee that I'd still be a teacher yeah I was finding it so hard every day yeah I was coming home crying like, was it <laughs> Do you find? Do you think it was just a lack of support? Like you, it sounds like yeah. you were reaching out, but you weren't being met halfway. Yeah, it was my. So it was a deficit on my point for my skill set. It wasn't yeah. my skill set wasn't in juniors or um, severe ASD, but uh, yeah. Also, I I felt like I was asking. I'm pretty vocal. I mean, I don't mind saying that I have deficits. Everybody yeah. has deficits. Yeah. Um, I felt like I was saying these are things that I need and those needs weren't being met. Yeah. Um, and they should have known too, like not without knowing the school. Yeah. The school should have known, all right, well, where you need to fill this position, let's look at this class. They've got A and B and C who have ASD. Yeah. Um, we need to either find the right fit or put supports in place yeah. for someone to manage to cope yeah with that, and to their credit they were trying to put yeah. supports but there just wasn't the opportunity for them to give support so there wasn't the funding there wasn't yeah. enough staff they had others like you know it wasn't just my class yeah. that was the challenging one they had other very challenging classrooms and teachers who were also struggling so i just think that it was a system that was very overwhelmed yeah and i as a graduate was just incredibly overwhelmed yeah. because I didn't have that's the facts, the, the knowledge behind that's me. It's a real deep end to be, <laughs> to yeah, be thrown yeah. in. Yeah, like, it felt yeah. like the deepest end. Yeah, especially in juniors as well, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah, so I I was coming home and even though I knew I was leaving, I was like, I just don't think I can do yeah. this. So I was having, it was really hard um, and I knew that I wasn't going to be able to continue teaching if that was the sort of if, environment yeah. that I was in. Um but yeah, obviously, luckily, had that second job like lined up. But my partner every night, he's like, "You, you can't yeah. be doing this. Like, you've got to go. Like, you've and got to go early." For him, for him to see yeah. that in you as well, yes. like that's a huge yeah. cry, isn't it? Even yeah, even he was like, "This is not good." Yeah. And I was doing all the things like exercising, eating healthy, and doing all those things that like are supposed to make you feel like you can handle yeah. tough situations. Yeah. And I was still just like just wasn't working was, was there was there a moment that you remember where you think yeah i want out or not out yeah. but yeah i need to move for my own sort of yeah career so was, my own mental health it was actually um step up day or transition day or yeah. whatever you call so i met my new class and by recess i was in tears because i was like this is so far yeah. above what i know yeah. how to do and my immediate team around me was so lovely i was actually supposed to go to yard duty and i was like crying in the staff room and they're like we'll do yard duty yeah and like they were being really supportive in that sense but i was like i'd been with the kids for two hours and i was already really distressed by it yeah um knowing that i was going to have a year did you have of, some of the same students in um, that step up or that orientation session from the year before i yeah. think i had three that came across from the year before and yeah. they were lovely but it was just um, yeah, it was a combination of new students to the school, new yeah. stu uh, prep students who really hadn't engaged, 2020 prep students who hadn't engaged, yeah. so they were incredibly low. Um, and one of the downsides of my last placement being cancelled because of COVID meant that I actually didn't have any primary experience. I, the lowest level I taught in my um, placements was grade five. Yeah, and, and that's the, not, that's primary, but yeah. they're 
that, almost being set up to go to high school, aren't yes, they? Yes, and I had an academically advanced class as well. So they were actually doing the grade six curriculum. Oh, wow. So I was, I just didn't know any strategy. Like these kids couldn't hold a pen or pencil. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't know how to do that. And I just felt underprepared from university as well. Yeah. And not only like, do you have to <laughs> like teach them and get them used to the fundamentals of learning yes you're also setting them up for the routine of school yeah as well because it was they're still so new yeah. to it yeah yeah and I found it really draining um I know some people find it really cute but I found it incredibly draining about how dependent they were yeah on you know like it was everything oh I can't find my hat lost my drink bottle <laughs> can't like can you open my and yogurt keys to everything, everything as well yeah, yeah. and yeah. so that, everything's a, everything was a big so deal hard. to them isn't it and you have to give like one step instructions 20 times because they can't like you've got to give the single step instruction to each know, kid do they and it's yeah. not their fault like no absolutely they're just, not it's no, just that's them, just them. That's, just the age, them. that's yeah. the developmental stage that's completely fine I just found it very draining and then that in itself was very draining, timed with also, all the other things on yeah, top of it. Also yeah. the other things. Yeah. So yeah, it was a pretty rough time, but also I'm very happy that it happened now because yeah. now I, I very vocal like at my new school, the high school, if I don't understand something, I just say like, I don't know what I'm doing, yeah. someone help me. And I think and yeah. <laughs> like That's a real yeah. that's a real important sort of learning curve yeah. for anyone in any field in any job you know that you need to ask if you don't know if you don't yeah. know just put your hand up absolutely yeah. and i've never had any backlash i've never had anybody say like oh you should know that yeah like uh, yeah i'm the first person to say i don't know what i'm doing can someone please help me learn and if it's if i'm if they're not willing to teach me to me that is a reflection of on them and their yeah. leadership style and everything yeah too. and yeah. and a school is there to teach. Yep. If they're not willing to teach other people than the students, yeah. then that, the, the that's... The staff's just, essentially a class yeah, as well, isn't it? Absolutely. Like I've always thought of a print as like the teacher of yes. the staff too. Yeah. So, And you don't know what you don't know. No. And, and especially, especially as, as a, a second year grad yeah. too and a grad. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. so, I think there's, that, there's still that stigma and I've mentioned it before that grads come in thinking shit, I need to know everything. Yeah. Like, I need to be the perfect, polished teacher yep. straight out of uni. Well, that's not the case. No, like, absolutely there'd not. There'd be teachers that are 15 years deep that yeah. are still learning and still don't know everything yeah. and still don't have their craft down pat. So yeah. I think it, a really important lesson that you learnt really early on. Yeah, too. I yep. learned it the hard way, like baptism by fire. Yeah. But, um, I, yeah, I'm very happy that And now, that like, happened. it yeah. sounds like now you're on you're on the sweet side of things where yeah. you're at a school that you're very happy to be at, um, in a position where you're very happy and yeah. and with the with the support there if yeah. you need it if you reach Absolutely. out yeah yeah and also the like it should really be said that the students as well are less dependent as yeah. well so you can have you can have conversations with them you can be reflective yeah. with them. And so that has taken away, I guess, like the base layer of things that were stressing me out. Yeah. And so that's gone. And so now when things do get too much, like I'm not already at my limit. Yeah. Because you're, you're yeah. saying you're teaching you eight or te- teaching you nine now. So this now, year is that I right? taught sevens and eights. Yep. And next year I'm going to teach eights and nines. Yep. Um, which I think is my little perfect spot because I yeah. still really like the younger side, like the creative the and being silly school, yeah. and... Yeah, I still really enjoy that, um, but I like a little bit more independence in yep. in the learners because you can give them multi step instructions and you can set them independent tasks. Yep. And if they, you know, if they're being a little bit cheeky, you can pull, pull them back them into yeah. line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I I think that's my little sweet spot yeah. is junior secondary. Um, I don't really have an interest in doing VCE. I'll never say never to yeah. it, but that's not in my near future. Yep. So, yeah, I think junior secondary is my... For now, it's yeah. really where, where you're happy, where and you can actually, see yourself yeah. being. And that, like, really aligns with the ages of the of the people that I was working, or the youth in um, the resi care yeah. and foster care as well. So I think I just... I really should have just looked at secondary to start yeah. with, in hindsight. Hindsight, there like, it is yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, 
you know, at the time it sounded great working yep. in a K to 12 school. And um, I was really open to learning about junior teaching as well. But I, think, I was yeah. so far out of my depth because I just didn't. I mean, obviously I did those classes, but I just didn't recall any of the information yeah. about like how to teach spelling. Yeah. And obviously coming in at the second half of the year and remote learning, I'd missed all the PD on all the programs yeah. that they did at the school. So, And that's so vital too, yeah. like the phonics program. You need yeah, to be, I'd missed you all need to know the, what's going on yeah. there and having that consistent through line with yeah. all the junior classes and yeah. So I had missed all of that. So I was trying to learn it myself. And While I did, teaching it too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it obviously wasn't really working for me because I was so out of my depth. And then I came a bit late at the start of this year to the... Um, to secondary school but there were still pd opportunities they had lots of makeup yeah. opportunities it as well sounds like so, a, a overall it just sounds like this school now that you're at is a lot more supportive across the board so it's supportive in that it meets my needs yeah. um i'm sure as with any school i'm sure that there would be people screaming at, at yeah. me listening to this podcast right now being like you can't think that of this school <laughs> but for me yeah. it meets exactly the needs that i have and that's really and, yeah yeah really think, important that you find a school that fits your yeah. needs and fits what you want from a school yeah, as well absolutely yeah. so yeah i've been given lots of opportunities at that school so I can see it as a long haul school. And even though it was like, uh, you know, every grad is like, oh, I've got to stick out my first contract. Yeah. And I didn't even get like a quarter of the way through yeah. mine. But a two year contract, that's a long first contract. Like yeah, that most grads the, would just be a 12 month. 12, yeah. yeah, most get the 12 months. But I am so stoked with the opportunity yeah. that I was given to move schools. And was there, was there ever that thought of like when you realized you weren't going to see out the contract of having or potential employers think, oh, why why didn't she see out her first contract? Was that ever yeah, in the back of your it mind? it was, and that was a consideration as well. And my mum's a principal, so I spoke to her quite heavily yeah. about it. But ultimately, I feel confident that I'm not going to be moving from my current school yeah. to the secondary school for a long time. And if I do, then I feel like I can explain... I don't think I would apply to a, a lower... Yeah lower junior position so I feel you know if I did go for like a five six position for example I think I could be I could explain to them and say yeah I, I realized that I didn't want to teach one twos yeah. and but I am confident that and I just could being teach open, five sixes open and transparent yeah. about that too yeah. yeah and then also something that um in the the rush of like needing to get a job because I'd lost my income at the in COVID was like I was just like oh, I'll take the job that I get yeah. Whereas now, if I was to interview again, I would very much see that as an opportunity for me to know the school. Yeah. I've been telling my friends who are graduating now, like, don't just take the first job you get. Yeah. Make sure the school Make sure fits. you get to know the school yeah. and fits what you want. Yeah. yeah. But I that makes sense to me from having grown up in, like, a regional area because you do know the schools a bit. But in Melbourne, like, I live three doors down from a school and I don't know anything about yeah. it. And I've lived there for, like, three years. <laughs> like, yeah. do you know? So you just... Because there's just so many schools around there, so isn't there? There's so many schools and there's... Yeah, so it's just, to me, you don't have that. And maybe if I had kids or new people who were going, like, were of a school age, yeah. maybe you might know it a bit better. But, yeah, I just didn't know anything about any school. Yeah. I only had connections to my placement schools. Yeah. So now I just tell people, like, go apply for jobs that you know the school. Like, maybe you know someone who's worked there who can sort of say off record, good or bad, yep. or if it's a placement school. But other than that, I'd be CRTing and getting yeah. and going to CRT first. And see what the school's see, like that yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. So that do you, would... Do you ever yeah. see yourself in a primary school? Yeah, I would, I would do five sixes, yeah. I think, or probably fours too. Not, I couldn't not handle lower. preps. Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I don't um, think preps are for everyone. <laughs> no, that just sounds so rough to yeah. me. Um, Especially with COVID and everything yeah. too. Like that, that hats off to prep teachers in yes, the last 24 to- months absolutely. because they have done an incredible oh, job. Unbelievable. Yep. Their efforts have been like literally holding up the rest of yeah. like the future. <laughs> like, yep. yeah. Well, thanks, thanks for coming in. Like, no like I said, that that's an incredible journey of, like, and such a, like, so many different paths to get 
to where you are right now. But it sounds like you're really happy with where you're at. Yeah, um, And then exciting things to come next year as well. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Thank you.